Today, I want to talk about and I want to teach about the dependability and the reliability of God's word. In other words, if God said it, that settles it. Amen. If God said it, it's a done deal. If God said it, it's over and out. If God said it, it's a wrap. The Bible says that God's word is forever settled in heaven. The Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie. The Bible says that God's word is sure, that God's word is true. The Bible says that there's, not, there's not even a shadow of turning in him. If God said it, that settles it. So that means in a very, very real sense that God says what he means and God means what he says. Now, that can be both good that could be both good news and bad news. Good news when it comes to God's promises and God's blessings, but bad news when it comes to God's discipline and God's chastisement. Hello? Amen. We don't like to hear too much about discipline and chastisement, but they're real. God deals with us sometimes in that way. And uh, Moses, Pastor Moses in our text, he had, to, he had to learn the latter, discipline and chastisement, the hard way. Somebody say the hard way. Now, I want to pause for a moment now because I don't want to leave that just with Pastor Moses because if the truth be told, there's some believers right now in the 21st century who have to learn God's lesson the hard way. And that's, that, that's primarily be, be, because what's in between our two ears gets hard Uh-oh. sometimes. Amen. Let me give you some old school theology. This is what the mothers of Manchester used to say when I was growing up. A hard head okay. makes a soft <laughs> bottom. Any, 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 any old hands? Any old hands here today? <laughs> that's old school theology. That's old school, but that's Bible school. A hard head makes a soft bottom. <laughs> right? So, I say Pastor Moses had to learn that the hard way. And if we take a look at our text for today, Deuteronomy chapter 3, verses 23, you can see more clearly from the text where the Spirit of God is coming from in relationship to Pastor Moses, but we can never, ever leave God's text, God's word, in its place thousands of years ago. We always have to make the appropriate applications to our situation today. Now, Israel is in a, a, a very, very interesting time period. We're going to see that in just a moment. And in the text we're going to read, we're going to find out that Moses here makes an exalted, he makes an exalted prelude to 
an earnest plea. And I want you to take a look at it in verse 23. This is an exalted prelude to an earnest plea. Moses understands what time it is. Matter of fact, in the New King James Version, in verse 23, and keep your Bibles open, it says, Then I pleaded with the Lord at that time. Now, in the New King James, there's two time markers in verse 23. One is the word then. That, that's, that's, that's denoting time. That's letting us know when. That when is then. It's a time marker. But also... In many other translations, including the New King James, three words are at that time. Do your translation say at that time? Amen. Well, as I talked about last week, that's a, that's a time marker. And time markers are very, very important in Scripture because God wants us to know by various time markers what season his people are in. It's important to us because, believe you me, God deals with his people in seasons of time. Matter of fact, God will deal with you individually in different seasons of your life. And God will deal with us as a church and as a corporate body in different seasons. Ecclesiastes 3.1. To everything there's a season and a time for every purpose under the heavens. So don't let time markers pass you by in scripture. They're very, very important to letting us know what season people are in. Matter of fact, it's good for you to ponder from a spiritual standpoint, what season are you in, in your life, in your, your Christian walk, your, your Christian journey at that time, at that season? It's important because Moses is in a season of, he's in a season of preparation and instruction. He's, a path, he's leading a congregation of people in the season that he's in, his teaching season, his instruction, his preparation for a group of people who are going to cross over the Jordan and into the promised land. Remember, he just got finished instructing and preparing two and a half tribes who decide they want to keep their land on the east side. Remember that? The Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh say, we don't want to cross over the Jordan. We like what we see over here. And Moses instructed them and taught them and said, fine, if you, if you want what you want over here, that's good, but you still got to help your brothers. You still got to help your brothers get what they, 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 they have to. You got to cross over with them, help them get what belongs to them. Then you come back. To, to your spot. So he's pouring out instruction. He's in a season of, of, of preparation. Then he goes to Joshua, who's going to take his place. And he prepares Joshua, we learned last week. And last week, he instructs Joshua, prepares him. Joshua, you have seen with your own eyes what the Lord can do. Joshua, be strong, be a good courage. The Lord God is with you. Amen. You have seen, you Amen. know. God has allowed your physical eyes to see what God can do. So in this season, at that time, you see it in the text, at that time, this is the time, this is the season that he's in. And Moses is instructing, he's teaching, he's feeling this thing. He's in this season, and now that he's feeling it, he has an earnest plea that he wants his God to hear. But before he gives his earnest plea to God, he gives God an exalted prelude. Notice it in the text. Verse 23. You got your, you got your, Amen. your Bible's open, right? That's our manuscript, right? Then I pleaded with the Lord. You know what season he's in. 
He's feeling it, season of preparation instruction. He got a group of younger people, the older generation have died off. This group got faith. They're crossing over. They're going over. And he got to prepare them for crossing the Jordan, but he's feeling this thing. You ever feel something? Mm. You ever realize the season God has you in in your life and you know God is taking you somewhere and you're feeling that thing? Watch this exalted prelude. He says, God, I, I pleaded with the Lord at that time saying, oh, Lord, God. Watch this. You have begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do anything like the works and your mighty deeds? Oh, God, you, did you see that? You, you have begun. You, you're just beginning to show your servant. Your, your greatness in your mighty hand. Isn't that kind of amazing to you? He's 120 years old now. And he's saying, you just begun to show your servant your, your, your greatness in your mighty hand. Isn't that, isn't that quite amazing? Now, he's not talking about God's just starting to do great things for him. That's not what he's talking about. God's been doing great things for him ever since God showed up in a burning bush, Exodus chapter 3. All the time that they were uh, uh, in Egypt and using Moses for the ten miracles and the ten plagues and the death of the first. But he's been doing mighty things since he called Moses from the beginning, from the burning bush. That's not what he's talking about. Moses is talking about all the wonderful things that you have done in my 40 years of pastoral ministry. Remember now, he was 80 when God called him to pastor. Remember that, right? 40 when he left Egypt for killing a man. Remember that? He was a murderer. 40 years on the backside of the desert. At 80, at the age of 80, he gets called. I don't know about you, that gives me a little hope. Because as I get older... I, 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 I glean from scripture that whenever God wants to use you, whatever season of life, remember season, the time, whatever time of life you're in, don't count yourself out because God doesn't count you out. God can use you at whatever season of life you're in. If God chooses to use you, he can trump any hindrance. Amen. At 80, he gets called the pastor. Now he's 120. He said, you, you, you just beginning to show me your glory. Not that you haven't been doing it, but all those 40 years of my pastoral ministry, all the things you have done, you're just beginning. What he's really trying to say is, God, you have so much more abundance. Wow. That even in my 40 years, all the miracles, all the things you have done, I'm just beginning to experience your awesomeness. He's trying to paint a picture of how awesome God is and, and how no matter how many things God does for us, God has so much more. Are you feeling it? Yeah. Uh, 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 um, I've been rocking with you for a long time, but I'm just, you've been doing all these things, but I'm just beginning to experience the vast awesomeness of your glory. It's an exalted prelude. 
Somebody say exalted prelude. Exalted prelude. That's what it is. But then watch this now closely. You got your Bibles open because you can't afford to miss this for what the Spirit wants to teach us from this. For you just beginning to show me your greatness and your mighty hand for with God, small g, is there in heaven or on earth who could do anything like what you do? Now, the small g-o-d God that you see in this text is a Hebrew word that can denote angelic beings of spiritual authority or small g God can also denote human beings of power and authority. It's not big G, it's small g. And the Hebrew word denotes both uh, uh, angelic authority as in an angel or uh, a possible human ruler or person of authority. Are, are you with me? And, and what Moses is saying here in this exalted prelude to an earnest plea is that God, in all my years, all these things you have done for me, I'm just beginning to see your awesomeness, God. And God, I've come to the point, what, who else, what else in heaven or on earth can compare to you? What, what, what authority figure is there in heaven? What power person is there on earth? Who can, can, who can do anything like your deeds and your wonderful works? In other words, get this closely now. This is an Old Testament precursor or Old Testament foreshadowing of what the church says today. You know the church slogan, don't you? Can't nobody do me like Jesus can do me. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. This is the Old Testament version. I am in church, right? Amen. You, you all have heard that, right? Amen. This is the Old Testament precursor to that. Moses is saying, look, look, no. That's what Moses is saying, but I'm saying... You may have the doctors you go to, the medical doctors. Biblically speaking, I have no problem with that. You may have your medications that you take to deal with your symptoms and your predicament. I have no problem with that. You may have the psychiatrist you go. You may have a counselor, biblical, if you're a Christian, that you go to. You may have your favorite CD that helps your mind, your favorite DVD. No problem, but one thing you and I need to know is can nobody do you like the Lord can do you. You have to settle that in your spirit today. That's an important thing that got to be settled in each of our spirits because if we don't, God can charge us with idolatrous behavior because can't nobody, I don't care what it is, and I don't, I don't have anything against medication. Believe me, I don't. I don't have anything about human doctors. I don't have anything against that. I got a human doctor. But the point that we got to settle in our spirit and our soul of soul is can't nobody do you like Jesus can do you. Nobody. Thank you, Jesus. Now, do we get that? Amen. Are we clear about that? Amen. We can move on. Because I got to be clear. We got to be with that. You with me, Carlton? Yes. 
That's the point that, 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 that Moses raises here. Now that he gives his exalted prelude, he's kind of, because he's feeling this thing, it's almost like he's fixing it up for the Lord. That's just the prelude. Now comes his earnest plea. I pray, God. Verse 25. Take a look at it. You can't miss it. Amen. Watch this earnest plea. Now, he hasn't fixed it up, right? But he's earnest. Don't get me wrong. He's earnest with his prelude. He's serious and sincere with his prelude. But watch this earnest plea. I pray, let me cross over and see. In other words, let me see with my own eyes this good land beyond the Jordan on the other side. Those pleasant mountains in Lebanon. Lord, essentially with that, with that exalted prelude, he's basically saying, God, I'm your man. God, God, God I, I, you know, we've been walking together, God. We've been in fellowship with God. You know me, God. I know you. I love you, God. Please let me cross over and see the good land. God called it the promised land, right? God said it was flowing, right? With milk? Will somebody help me? With milk? He says, just let me see it, Lord. It's an earnest plea. But watch this. But it's an erroneous plea. It's a it's a wasted petition. Why is that, Pastor Cooper? Because God had already told Moses in Numbers chapter 20, verses 8 through 12, you shall not cross over the Jordan. You shall not go into the promised land. What I want you to get from this is God says what he means. No, 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 don't, 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 don't mix apples and oranges. I want you to get in a main kind of a way, God says what he means, and he means what he says. He had already told Moses, and you can check it out when you go home, Numbers chapter 20, verses 8 and 12, he told Moses he will not, somebody say will not, will not, go into the promised land. Why is that? Because God says you did not honor me you did not sanctify me before the people. He's a leader. Everybody should not want to be pastors. Mm. You say, you ain't telling me nothing. <laughs> you say, I never aspired to be that anyway. <laughs> Dealing with all these different personalities. And all. But the point is, the point is, is that God, the people, the congregation were complaining to the pastor. Numbers chapter 20, because there was no water. And when congregations are thirsty, they want to be satisfied. They want their thirst quenched. They were thirsty. They were in a desert. And Pastor Moses, you brought us out here, and we have no water to drink. What are you going to do about it? Now, they did the same thing in Exodus 17. But note the difference. Here's the theology behind this. This is part of the theology. In Exodus 17, when the congregation complained to Moses about being thirsty in a desert with no water, God tells Moses to go ahead of the people and meet me at a rock. Well, this is going somewhere. You've got to work with this now. This is going somewhere. Meet me at the rock. And when you meet me at the rock, he says, take the rock with you, that 
you lifted up before the Red Sea. You know God's been doing great things for Moses all the time, right? Take that rock with you that you lifted up, and I want you to smite the rock. I want you to hit the rock. This is Exodus 17. And when Moses did that and hit the rock, out came water gushing out. But watch this. This time, in Numbers 20, the people got to complaining again. Now, you all might not know this, but congregations, and I know this because I, I pastored before. I'm not talking about New Hope, but I, I'm just talking about, I know from pastoral experience. Congregations will not c- complain just once and quit. <laughs> oh, I heard a noise over there like you knew about that. I heard somebody just made, But what the, the, the thing is, is that they'll get satisfied in this season, but the next season of challenges that come up, they come to the pastor again with more issues because, you know, you know, they're not satisfied. And when people are not satisfied, they got to come to the leadership. And so Numbers 20, they come because they're in another dry place. There's no water. But watch what God says this time. Numbers 20, God says, this time, I want you to speak to the rock. There's spiritual significance. I wish I had time to unpack this. But, but Moses allowed the congregation to get him so angry because of their backbiting, their complaining, their prodding him. You're supposed to be our leader. This ain't happening. That ain't happening. How come this ain't happening? How come we ain't? Whatever? And so he was so angry when he got to the rock, he took his rod out of his anger and said, you rebels, you're always rebelling against the Lord. Right, he hits the rock. And out comes water. Because God is gracious. But after that, some, it's almost like to me that God pulls Moses to the side by mm. himself and says, You nor your brother will go into the promised land because you failed to sanctify me. You failed to revere me as holy before the people. I did not tell you this time to hit the rock. Out of his anger, he took his rod and hit it. But this time, God didn't tell him to hit it. Would you help me to teach? This time, God told him to speak. Do you know that there's a difference between hitting and speaking? And God is a stickler for detail. Don't, don't, God wants obedience not in a general way. God wants obedience in a detailed way. He didn't say hit it. He said speak to it. He said, as a result, you nor Aaron will go into the promised land because you did not trust me. You did not sanctify me before the people. Now, real quickly, the theology behind all of that from a spiritual standpoint is hitting the rock was looking forward to Jesus being smitten on the cross. But that baby, Jesus is only going to be smitten once. In other words, Jesus died once. Smitten once. His one-time smiting was sufficient for all time, forever. Matter of fact, the Bible says when Jesus hung his head on the cross and gave up his offering and sacrifice, he sat down. Glory. You know what that meant when he sat down, right? It's done. Glory. So his smiting the rock the second time 
typified from a spiritual standpoint that you don't trust the sufficiency of the rock, the spiritual rock. Now, there's a, that's a whole another message, but I want you to at least get that. And now, if, you, if, you, if you're with that, would you say amen? amen? Now, as a result, he tells Moses in Numbers chapter 20, verses 8 through 12, and Aaron, as a result, because you did not trust me, you did not obey me, you did not sanctify me before the people, he tells both of them, neither one of you going into the promised land. Now, here's what I want you to get. You think God was playing when he said that? You think he meant it? God says what he means, and God means what he says. So, what's up with Moses now? He, 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 he sets it up for God with this exalted prelude, because, but it's serious. He's, he's, he's earnest about that prelude. God, you are an awesome God. No question. I mean, he's not being false here. God, God, you're just beginning. I'm 120, and you're just beginning to show me your, your greatness, your awesomeness. You've got a long way to go in terms of experiencing God's awesome. You're just scratching the surface of experiencing God's awesome. God got so much more for you to see with your Amen. eyes, Amen. feel with your heart, Amen. do with your hands. You're just scratching the surface. Amen. And if God allows you to see 120, you still would just be beginning to see the wonders of God. So now Moses is asking God, I God, let me go over. God already told, God already gave his word though. In Numbers 20. Now, since I got all these Bible scholars here with me, Hardy Bible School graduates and students and serious Bible people, help me understand what's up with Moses, Pastor, Pastor Moses. Help me understand. Do he think God was kidding? Do, do he think God forgot? No, 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 no. Listen into your text, verse 25. You got your Bibles open. You, you've been taught to keep your Bible and follow along. Listen to it, verse 25. I pray, let me cross over. And see the good land beyond the Jordan, the pleasant mountains in Lebanon. He knows what God said, right? But he is in error. He's in error. But I get encouraged, and I get encouraged. This might be—I don't know if this is hard to understand or not—but I get encouraged. By his heir, because he's a great man of God. He's a great leader. It helps me to understand, Cooper, when you make the mistakes you make, you ain't by yourself. There have been great leaders before you who made mistakes too. Maybe you think God will go back on his word and reverse it. Maybe you think God will change his mind and repent of what he said before. But God is not a man that he needs to repent. And, and what I want you to get, if you don't get nothing else, get this. God says what he means. And God means what he says. 
You got 26 queued up? Amen. It's the next verse. God has a response to Pastor Moses. Lord, let me cross over. 26. But the Lord was angry with me on your account. <laughs> Moses puts it on the people. <laughs> you know, that started in Genesis chapter 3, right? With Adam and Eve, the blame game. Basically, Moses is saying, God, <laughs> Moses is telling this newer generation who, who, who was a part of this, he's basically telling them, you know, God did get angry, but it was because of y'all. <laughs> Y'all's behavior made me go off, made me do stuff that I shouldn't have done. <laughs> it's on y'all. You ever hear anybody do that? It's not them. I mean, it's them, but there's a reason why I did what I did. Thank you. It's because of them that I did what I did. Not even Flip Wilson theology. At least Flip Wilson theology said the devil made me do it. That's what Flip Wilson would say. But he said, your, your people, God, made me do it. They were angry with, on your account, and God would not listen to me. You got that on your, on your phone? Amen. So the Lord said to me, enough of that. Speak no more to me of this matter. Do you think God means that? Or you think God is joking here? Check out the tone of the passage. In the New King James, there's an exclamation point. Any other version got an exclamation point when God speaks? Exclamation means there, there, there's pathos behind it. There's passion behind it. There's emotion behind it. Enough of that. Here's what you got on your sheet. It's really important. God will not change his mind about his unchangeable word. He won't do it. God meant what he said a long time ago in Malachi 3.6. For I am the Lord, the, 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 Transliteration here is in all caps, which means I am Yahweh. I am that I am. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm the covenant God, Yahweh, Jehovah, when the vowels are added. And, 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 and I change not. I don't change. You do. Your friends do. Your spouse do. Your kids do. But I don't. I'm the Lord. Yahweh, I don't change. Don't waste your breath. Do you know there are some prayers from a biblical standpoint based on the infallible word of God and what it reveals, there are some prayers you might, as not, you might as well not waste your breath. Here's one of them. When you want God to change his word for you, you're wasting your breath. Don't waste your breath because there are some prayers God isn't going to listen to. He says, Moses said in your text, 
God would not listen to me. Do your text say something to that effect? One of them is trying to get God to change his word. James 1.17. All good and perfect gifts come from above and are handed down by the Father of lights in whom there is no variance or even shadow of changing. There's not even a shadow of changing in him. So if God says it, that settles it. God says what he means. And God means what he Are y'all mad? This is part of the journey that we got to take because it's word, it's word, it's word. It's God's word. But watch this, There's there's a positive side to it, Brenda. There's a positive side to it because because God's word is infallible, there is no, in other words, there is no error in God's word. There is nothing that God got to change his mind about But here's the positive spin to it. Whatever God tells you you can do, you can do. Because of the one who's telling you, you can do it. Can you feel me? Let me say that again. That's real important. Don't leave here without it. Because of whose voice it is who calls you and tells you what God tells you to do, you can do. Now watch this from the text. Look at verse 27 with me, the first part of it. Don't let any word pass you by. He tells Moses, go up to the top of Pisgah. After he tells him to be, basically, he tells him to be quiet, basically. Stop talking. I don't want to hear no more of that kind of talk. You know what that reminds me of? Now this is, this is real old school. Some of you might get with it. You know what that reminds me of? I put it in my context so you all can't get mad because this is me. When I was growing up, Old school mothers, they used to beat you and tell you not to cry. I'm like, what's up with the heart? Now, help me understand how to do that. I mean, they're thrashing you and say, don't you cry. cry. We'd be thrashed in silence. How how did that work, right? You'd be, be, they'd be like, don't you even whimper. You're like, stop that whimpering. Man, I just got thrashed. How am I supposed to do that? You know what I mean? God tells him, essentially, I don't want to hear it. Be quiet. Don't talk to me about that. That's another side of God, but it's a biblical side, right? Because God said, already told him what he meant, right? But when God tells you to do something, it's a call on your life. It might seem impossible. But when God is calling it and putting it on your life, no matter how impossible it seems, if God is calling you out and telling you to do it, you can do it. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Verse 27. You got it? He tells Moses, go up to the top. Not to the middle point. Go up to the top of Pisgah. Whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Go up to the top of Pisgah? Pisgah is a mountain range. Moses is 120 years old. How many 120 years old do you know who go mountain climbing to the top of the mountain? How many? Matter of fact, how many 120 year olds do you know? Period. How many? Not as in nada? 
He's 120 years old, but watch the word from God. Go up to the top of Mount Pisgah. See, the underlying spiritual message that God wants us to get from that is it don't make any difference what age you are from God's perspective. It makes no difference what your socioeconomic status is. Matter of fact, let me read it, because I, I don't think I can say it any better than what I put it down here. Whatever God calls and tells you to do, you can do. Regardless of your age, your socioeconomic status, regardless of your physical limitations, regardless of your racial profile, regardless of your community profile, regardless of your educational status or anything else. If God tells you you can do it, you can do it. Moses, you're 120 years old, but I'm telling you, climb up to the top of the mountain range. And you know what Moses did? Because God says what he means, and help me preach now, and he means some of you have been or will be called to do some mountain range type of climbing in your spiritual journey. It will be stuff that you never imagined that God would call you to do or, or, or tell you to do, but you've got to get this. If God told you to do it, not only can you do it, God can see fit that you will do it or you'll be on your back. Because he can do both. Ask Reverend Jonah. One last point. Because you can do what God tells you to do, get this. You can love your enemies. Yes, you can. <laughs> no, 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 no. I said you can love your enemies. You, you, you can bless those who curse you. You, you. you can do good to those who hate you. Oh, yes, you can. You can pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Why? Because Jesus says so. Check me, Matthew 5, 44. You can do it. But pastor, you don't know what they did to me. I don't, but God does. And he says to bless them. Amen. He says to pray for them. He says to love them. Not your friends, but your enemies. Now, I know y'all don't have any. That's at other churches. But I got to tell you the truth anyhow. Y'all don't got any. I got that. I got that. But if you did, you can love them. Because Jesus says so. Amen. Now, the last point is, the last point is, and I definitely want to read this because I don't want you to miss this. Let me, let me first say, ask, are you still with me? Amen. Here's one last point that's far too powerful for you to miss. So I'm just going to read it like God gave it to me. If God says so, there may come a time when you will have to instruct and encourage and strengthen the person who will get to do what you want to do but can't. Let me say that again. It's far too. If God says so, there may come a time when you will have to instruct and encourage and strengthen the past, the person who will get to do what you want to do but can't. Watch this. Watch the text. Look at the text with me. You got your Bible open, right? Look at verses 27 and 28. 
Moses, don't talk to me about this matter anymore. I already told you my word on this. Don't say nothing about it again. That's, what, that's verse 26. Watch this. Go up to the top of Pisgah, lift up your eyes toward the west, the north, the south, and the east. Behold it with your eyes. You can't cross over, but I will let you look at it. I will let you see it. Some things is only for you to see, not to have. Now, that's a message right there. Now, that's a message right there. (laughs) Oh, God. Some things are for you to see and not to have. Boy, if I dropped a piece of cotton, it would explode. But that's good because hopefully that means you're thinking. And in the word, the spirit of God will provoke us to think. But, 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 but watch this now. It's in the text. You go up to the top and see with your eyes, the west, north, south, and the east. Behold it with your eyes, for you shall not. Somebody shall not. Cross over. Somebody say cross over. This Jordan. Do anybody know what you shall not cross over this Jordan means in the Hebrew? It means you shall not cross over this Jordan. <laughs> Isn't that right, Sarah? That's right. You ain't going. I don't care how much you bellyache. I don't care how much you want to go. Clearly, he wants to go. He makes his earnest plea. Clearly, he wants to go. Do you know you don't get everything you want? Amen. That's a message right there, too. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. But watch this, though. You ain't going over, period. But watch this, verse 28. But command Joshua. Uh-oh. And encourage him. Uh oh. And strengthen him. For he shall go over. Oh my God. What you yourself are dying to do. God says you can't do, but somebody else will do, and you got to strengthen them. You got to teach them. You got to encourage them. Now, are y'all thinking or are y'all mad? Right now, I can't tell. <laughs> Which is... It's the truth. That's what he's saying here, right? You definitely ain't going over, but I got somebody in your midst who is, and you got to teach them. You got to encourage them. You got to strengthen them. Because he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which you will see. Here's the good news. Although God might call you to instruct and help somebody else who will get to do what you want to do and can't, here's the good news. You can do it. Amen. <laughs> I thought I'd hear at least three amens. I heard one. But that's okay. That's good. Because I always bring my own hot sauce when I preach. That means at any given time, I'm probably just plant my feet and throw up my hands and say, Hallelujah, Lord. Bless you, Lord. All by myself, I bless your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. That little baby said amen. You can do it. You can do it. And I'm going to ask Cynthia to help us out here. Cynthia. 
continue. Um, be not. That's, be, that's not it. Five, Hebrews oh, 13, verse 5 and 6. Oh, sorry. I think sorry. that's verse 1. Yeah, that was. Let your conversation you be go. without covetousness, covet, covetedness, uh-huh. um, that's it. and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So that we may be bold, so that we may boldly say, "The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me." That's it. Thank you so much. You don't have to worry about anybody else. You just do what God commands you to do, and know this: God Himself will never leave you, nor forsaken you. Therefore, what can man do to you? But you can do it if God tells you to do it. I'm not saying it's easy, but you can do it. Help us out, Elder Mike. Philippians four, four, 13. Verse 13. I can do all things through him who gives me the strength. Would you say it again? While, would you say it in that mic, please? I can do. I can do all things through him who gives me the strength. There you go. Amen. You can do it. And just would you hand it to Brenda? One more. Matthew eleven twelve. Matthew twenty three. Matthew twenty three verses eleven twelve. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall assault himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be assaulted. Amen. Amen. You can serve other people, even other people who will get to do what you want to do and can't. God might send you to them to serve them. In your flesh, you're mad because you know they're going to get what you want, what you really want. And God knows that. That's why he's sending you to them, to help teach you some things to grow. But you can do it. Because... I can do all things that sit Elder Mike read, through Christ who gives me strength. I want to close by saying this. If you have a savings account with Jesus, don't miss it, you can make withdrawals from the bank of heaven 24-7. Let me say that again. If you have a savings account with Jesus, you can make withdrawals from the bank of heaven 24-7. The bank of heaven never closes. Jesus saves. Let me say it again. Jesus saves. Let me say it one more time. Jesus saves. Come on, give him a hand clap. Give him a hand clap. I know it's a challenging message, but you might as well, you might as well thank you many how because Jesus saves.